listening to the Modesty Awkward Podcast with your host, Francis Armin. Take a seat and enjoy listening to different life experiences, testimonies, and learning to live a life pleasing to Jesus Christ. Now here's your host. You are now tuning in to the Modestly Awkward Podcast. I am your host, Francis Armand, and we are closing in in the Covenant series. And today I have a special guest who is dear to my heart. He is the pastor of Greater Refuge Temple Church in New York. Church of Our Lord Jesus Christ is the organization. He's my pastor. And he's also the dean of the Church of Christ Bible Institute where I am also a student. So when people ask me, why do you know this? Or who is your mentor? Who's your teacher? This is the person I introduce to everyone. (laughs) Bishop Charles Wright Sr. Welcome, Bishop Wright. Thank you so much, Francis. Glad to be with you. I'm so honored to have you today. And also, this is the finale of the series, the six-part series of the Covenant series. And today, we're going to talk about the promises of God. I thought this would be a great topic to end this series where people right now are kind of wavering in their faith and they're questioning their relationship with God because of maybe it could be lost or just just things that are going on in this world. And for someone who's newly saved, we want to make sure to know that it's not just about the wealth the blessings, but it's it's more to that. And that was what we kind of try to convey throughout the whole series. It's building a relationship with Jesus Christ. So I'm going to just jump into the first question. How can someone experience God's promises? How can someone experience God's promises? Well, it's a matter of living according to the word of God and all that he said in his word. Uh, he will, according to his will for us individually and specifically, He will fulfill. One of the greatest promises he made to us in the uh, Great Commission, Matthew 28, he said, Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So the promise of his presence is the greatest promise of all. You can be assured, no matter how difficult the times might be, that God will be with us. You'll be there to support us and bless us. But of course, he did say that uh, we should walk according to his word to be assured of his presence and the benefits of that uh, presence of God. That's the greatest promise. Walk according to his word. I love what you said, Bishop Wright. I recently read an article and I shared it with you about a Christian who is professing to be a Christian, but doesn't believe the Bible. He no longer believes the Bible. You know, one, one, of, one of the promises that people kind of tend to gravitate towards is love. And yes, Jesus is love. That's the most important thing. But they feel like, okay, as long as I know Jesus loves me, I don't have to follow the word because the word has too many restrictions, which is not true. But a lot of people feel that way. So how can someone profess Christianity and not believe in God's word? Because you said in order to understand and experience the promises of God, you have to know his word. So how is that even possible? I'm going to be a Christian without... um Acknowledging the sovereignty of the word and its mm-hmm. uh, hold upon us. Yeah. 
very dangerously. Sure. Because without the word, how does one know that he's or she's a Christian? That's true. The word defines what it means to be a Christian. Now, do you think that people tend to feel like if I live more like morally good, follow like the Ten Commandments, that makes me a Christian? Because I, I think my whole point of asking that question is that there's so many that believe just if I do, I guess works, if I, if I feed the poor or do community service, treat my neighbor right, that makes me a Christian. And that's pretty much it. And it's like they don't read the Bible or they might go to church and just follow what the pastor say. And then that's it. But not really kind of dig in to find out what the saith the Lord by themselves. So what what advice would you give someone who, okay, who's newly saved, that's coming in and who would feel that way, who feel like, wait, that's all I need in my life and I'm just going to live this way and continue, but I'm a Christian. Okay. Being a Christian is not something that we do ourselves mm-hmm. to become or do things to become a Christian. One of the greatest arguments in church history has been between faith and works, defining yeah. what it means to be a Christian. And Christianity is different from, and it is the final expression of God's will for us uh, compared to the Old Testament. In the Old Testament time, it was a matter of works righteousness, doing things to become. Oh. But they never became because they couldn't do it well enough. And because of the root of sin being in man, it's a nature. Yes. That has to be dealt with first before one can become a, a Christian. That's why Jesus, in his uh, discourse with Nicodemus in John chapter 3, said, uh, Model not that I say unto you, you must be born again. There's a need of a new experience for anyone born into this world. And that is uh, being born of the Holy Spirit to become a Christian. And Jesus, when he told Nicodemus about his need, Nicodemus himself, being a ruler of the Jews, was confused about it. He wanted to know how can a man who is old become a Christian, uh, enter into his mother's womb and be born again. But it's a spiritual experience. Because of the sin of Adam and even the Garden of Eden, it affected the whole human race. Man became someone who was estranged from God mm-hmm. and needing to have a new beginning. That's how deep sin affected the human race. And that's why Jesus said, you've got to be born again. You've got to be born from above. Yes. He said, that which is born of the flesh is of the flesh. That which is born of the spirit is of the spirit. Marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again. There's a need from being, of being born from above, a spiritual birth, lifting us out of the, uh, uh, the grips of sin and Satan to become a child of God. So one becomes a Christian by being born of the Holy Spirit, according to the word of God. It's not something that we do to become as much as it is faith that we exercise in God. And God counts our faith as righteousness to us, as the apostle would say. And we become a child of God, born again with a new nature that helps us to walk according to the word of God. Man needed help. And that's why Jesus said you must be born again. Mm. Not something you could have done because the Old Testament is a constant example of uh, trial and failure on the part of even the chosen people, Israel. So Jesus brought us a new covenant. Yes. And that's what we are part of. To be a Christian is to be a part of the new covenant, God's new arrangement with mankind for salvation. 
Well, I'm happy you bring that up. So how does the covenant relationship relate to the promises of God? Well, the covenant relationship relates to the promises of God in that when one becomes a covenant member, so to speak, a part of the new covenant, Mm -hmm. becomes a Christian, they are empowered by the spirit of the living God to help us to walk with God. And in walking with God, we enjoy his uh, promises. And they are not all material. That's one of the things about the, the Christian faith that's different from the uh, Old Testament Hebrew faith and the Old Testament covenant. And the new covenant is built upon better promises, the Lord said. Yeah. More spiritual in nature. It's not one where you're promised a land like Palestine and all riches as signs of your covenant relationship. No. It is a spiritual relationship. And some who are very, very much a part of the new covenant are not necessarily rich or even wealthy or doing well materially so. Mm-hmm. As Jesus said, a man's life does not consist in the abundance of things that he possesses. It's a spiritual relationship, walking with God, being in good fellowship with mankind as a result of that. Yeah. I think that sometimes, especially I remember as a new convert, the waiting process was very hard. And you pray and you ask, because in the word says, ask and you shall receive. So you ask and you ask and you ask, but you're standing firm, waiting on God's promises. What advice would you give to someone who's listening, who's been praying for a long time for something and they're having difficult in that waiting process? What advice would you give them? And what has God taught you in that waiting process, as far as your experiences? Waiting on God, it depends upon what one is waiting for. Because the promises of God are something he honors to mankind. If God promised something, he will give it. But we also must be aware of the fact that uh, delay is not necessarily denial. Mm -hmm. Because God seems to be delaying the fulfillment of his promise. And sometimes, uh, just look at Abraham. Abraham, the father of the faithful. Abraham was promised by God an ear, a son, and other promises, a land. Abraham had to wait 25 years for the child. Wow, 25. Mm -hmm. Isaac. Mm -hmm. And God, I believe, wanted to teach Abraham uh, some things about uh, himself and about God. And he, in the process, Abraham tried to acquire the benefits of the relationship with God. And he listened to his wife, Sarah, as it related to the child. And, and, and it became a problem. And, and I believe that's one of the problems we're still having today because the child that Abraham had, Ishmael, yes. became the father of people who today are living in the same geographical area as uh, Israel, children of the promise. And there's a whole lot, there are a whole lot of problems there between them because he listened to Sarah and didn't let God do it outright. As a result of that, problems in their relationship, the two people, two ethnic groups that come from one man. So waiting on God is not easy, but it is something we should do. And first of all, we need to determine whether or not God has promised something specific to us that we're looking for. Mm. might not be his will. That's why the frustration comes in. Okay. That's a good point. That's a good point. So how do we know what is God's will? There was a question asked in the Old Testament of Micah, the prophet. Yes. What does the Lord require of you? And Micah's answer was, uh, the prophet, was um, to do good, love mercy, and walk humbly before your God. Mm, I love that. That's what I the Lord that. requires of us. 
a holy walk in the, in this world with mankind, loving everybody and okay. even the unlovable as he loved us. That's something that's difficult. Yes, it is. So it God is. knows it. But we are to try to love everyone as much as lies within you. He says, live peaceably with all men. So we have a number of things from God to, to help us to wait on him. Amen. And as far as your experience, what have you learned just from past experiences through the whole waiting process that you would, if you don't mind sharing with the audience? Well, certainly there's growth if we wait the right way. We grow in God. We become a better believer. Also, while waiting on God, we gain strength. As the Apostle Paul would say, as well as James, similarly, that uh, the trials of life in that waiting work patience. And patience leads to experience, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And experience hope. We learn while we're waiting. And we, we are amazed how God will bless us while we wait. And that increases our hope and our hold on God. Well, amen. Thank you so much, Bishop Wright. For those that are listening, I hope this really encourages you to just be patient. No matter what we see or hear that's going on in this world, that God's promises are true. Just from the conversation, we know that we have to trust his word. We have to pray and pray his promises. You know, be truthful to the Lord. Pray his promises. If you, you know, he says he will never leave you. You can tell him like, God, hey, you said you would never leave me or forsake me. You know, it's okay to be honest in your conversation with the Lord. So we hope that you were encouraged by this and that you continue to walk by faith and not by sight. And Bishop Wright is the Dean of the Church of Christ Bible Institute, which I did mention before. Classes are currently in session, but if you're interested, you can always sign up to learn about the next semester, which would be when, Bishop Wright? That'll be in uh, September. In September. So registration right after Labor Day. Okay. Labor Day and information on the website. Okay. And the website is ccbinyc.org where you can learn. I mean, study, study the word of God. That's one of my testimonies. That's, that's how I was able to grow. I was working in the fashion industry. The Lord gave me my dream job. And I remember walking into service and I asked the Lord, what can I render? What can I do to say thank you? And I remember Bishop Wright, you were standing there making the announcement about the Bible school. And I was like, that's it. And I've been going there for a long time, but I enjoy it. I enjoy all the classes. And I think those that, and it's virtual, so you can be anywhere to take the class. You don't have to be in New York City. You can be in Chicago. If you don't mind staying staying up late, you could be in London taking classes. So definitely sign up to learn Learn about the promises of God. Learn about how the will of God and how God wants you to live. So I really hope you enjoyed this series and you are blessed. And thank you again, Bishop Wright. Until season two, which will be coming up in the summer, God's willing. God bless. Thank you. Thank you, Francis.